Okay, warriors, you are listening to Unqualified Therapists. Remember, stay wild and weird. Hey, warriors, this is Amy. And I'm Sarah. We are the hosts of The Unqualified Therapist. We are not here to give you advice. We are here to tell you our stories, share your stories, and bring on the professionals from time to time. Mental health is complicated, and we know that from our personal experience. We believe in professional therapy. Both Sarah and I use that on our own healing journeys. But we also know it isn't one size fits all. The stigma surrounding mental illness can make us feel alone. We are not alone. You are not alone. And you're listening to The Unqualified Therapist Sync. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Unqualified Therapist. Lost my voice again. Can't do it. I usually make a little, whoop, whoop. yeah, kind of sound. <laughs> so <laughs> I know, and I, I we were just talking about this off air, and I know that this cold is going to come somehow back to me again. It is awful, mm-hmm. and it makes me want to like be really happy about breathing when you can <laughs> breathe. Because when you can't breathe, it's all you can think about is the fact that like you can't breathe. Yeah. I've, I've always had a really crummy immune system though. So I feel like it's just things will like bypass others and it'll just hit me hit multiple you hard. times. Mm-hmm. So it's all right. It's all right. I'm trying to build that back up. I mean, you would look, help if I ate better. You look good for feeling like garbage. Thank you. <laughs> we learned to just say thank you. Thank you. Lipstick so, is a, a beautiful thing. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. yeah. So we are unqualified, and we've told you that multiple times, but we have a qualified therapist today. I'm so excited. <laughs> so, you know, we told you we bring on professionals, and we do, and today we actually have Kelsey Grimm. She goes by Kelsey the Counselor on Instagram. She has a beautiful account. You should check that out. For sure. She's a registered clinical counselor, and she's been doing that. She's been in the mental health field for 13 years. And the founder of Healing Spaces, which I think we're going to probably, I'm going to ask you more about that there. Yeah. Um, I want to know more about what that is and how you started that. And she is in Vancouver, outside, outside of Outside of Vancouver. <laughs> which is like my dream space. Someday, people. I know. And I really like this. She said, lifelong grower and overcomer. Love it. <laughs> I might steal that. Mm-hmm. It's Especially not trademarked. Overcomer. Yes. Uh, so welcome, Kelsey. Yes. Welcome. Thank, Thank you so you. much for coming on with us. We are so happy to have you here and to get to meet you finally. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we've been following your journey on um, Instagram and we just so our listeners know um kelsey has a wealth of knowledge so we were like what can we talk to you about what can we talk to you about and she gave us some things that we could ask her about and one of the things that really piqued our interest it was like both of us at the same yes. time we were like Ooh. <laughs> um was talking about i believe is it is it called intergenerational trauma is yeah that that's we right to it as? Yeah. yeah yeah specifically because of our own life <laughs> 
situations. <laughs> yeah. As well as the fact we've not talked about it yet on here. And there's a lot of other things that was on Kelsey's list that I still want to pick up. <laughs> yes. Yes. So but that is that is the main thing that um, I found to be like, oh, my gosh, I know this is true. I just don't know much about it. Right. So before we dive into that, um, tell us about yourself, Kelsey. Yeah. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. There's a lot of anticipation in connecting. So I'm so um, yeah thrilled to be here with you both. Um, tell you about myself. Well, I think you kind of summed it up. I, I, I'm a counselor. <laughs> I started <laughs> Healing Spaces about five years ago. That was a dream of mine for sure to have a, a strong clinical practice with lots of great counselors and team members. Um, I live outside of Vancouver. That's right. I have two dogs and a beautiful new baby um, and a cat and uh, a lover of nature. That is something that I definitely love just spending time in. It really helps me ground and feel connected. Um, and I grew up in Vancouver, so um, I moved out here, but I go back quite a lot. So British Columbia in general yeah. is pretty full of nature then. In For sure. So, so yeah. did, before you founded um, Healing Spaces, did you work for other in other people's offices? So Healing Spaces actually started my private clinical practice. So before then, I worked a in a lot of nonprofits, and so my heart still okay. is very much aligned with that. I actually started um, in the health or in the counseling field um, at a young sprightly age of early 20s and uh, yeah. I worked in the downtown <laughs> east side um, of Vancouver for those who don't know it's they call it the poorest coast postal code in Vancouver and mm. it's been coined as having um, poverty and uh, like homelessness akin to lots of slums in India and mm. so it's if you can imagine there's a lot of really people there that are really, really struggling with their mental health, with intergenerational trauma, for sure, with drug addiction, drug abuse. So I started there and absolutely loved it. It was amazing. I did it for a number of years and then continued my journey, my professional journey. And um, five years ago, founded Healing Spaces after other working with other agencies as a counselor and uh, then kind of launched Kelsey the Counselor. So that's a bit about my professional journey. Yeah. That's really incredible. It was really incredible. I really love that name. I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll tell you something funny. Um, so my mother, my adore, I adore my mother. Uh, she, I would, she would call me and ask me questions sometimes, and I would just tell her information or what I knew or share something with her. Mm -hmm. And she'd go, oh, thank you, Counselor Kelsey. <laughs> and that's actually how Kelsey the Counselor was born. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. Yeah, that's shout out so to my mama. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go, mom. Yeah. Yes. That's great. Um, well, there's so many other things I do want to talk to you about, but I would like to jump right in. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. So if you could give us, as well as our listeners, kind of a definition of what intergenerational trauma means and what that looks like. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> you your mom calling yeah, you totally. for information. <laughs> so intergenerational trauma is... Um, essentially trauma that is passed down through the generations and uh we don't always choose the family that we come into when we're born <laughs> um but we kind of get wrapped up in um this life and so there's obviously dna and there's biology that's a part of that but also sociological experience you know family dynamic and trauma that's a part of the family story so just in the same way we can say you know i come from a family and we all have brown hair um mm. except my uncle over there that has blue eyes and that's why i have blue eyes we can look at trauma in a similar way in the fact that it impacts generations and then it it continues down the generational line and so that's essentially what intergenerational trauma is um you know great great 
grandmothers and grandfathers experience a certain situation and we can see mm-hmm. residual effects of that trauma uh, through current gener- you know current generations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. So like with that being said, it's like, hello, my life, right? (laughs) All of the things of like all of the lives prior to ours just sort of flood my brain. And you think like, how do you work through something like that? My gosh. So loaded question. It is. It is a loaded question. Um, (laughs) man, that, that is, that is a, that is really hard. And I don't think a lot of people have heard of it. Uh, I don't think it's like common you know, as something that people talk about just in regular conversation. But um, it was something that my sister and I have been thinking about and talking about. And we even like said to our mom, like, this is where, where we want to break it. Like mm-hmm. all of this energetic, like we want to like put a bookmark, a line, a wall. Right. And say no more. Um, and I think that hopefully I'm, I'm assuming this next generation specifically, mm-hmm. probably even after us is going to do that more, uh, hopefully to stop some of it because it just, whew, Mm-hmm. goes and goes and goes yeah and I think it's and correct me if I'm wrong I think some of it's subconscious with like I don't think people mean to hurt people yeah for sure I often like I guess one piece about intergenerational trauma that I really believe or a couple pieces actually is I think it relinquishes the whole concept of blame because we can't blame my parents or my grandparents because we have to look at it through we have to kind of zoom out and look at it through this like macro lens of going okay well you know wounded people wound other people that's for sure a part of my philosophy and my belief and I think this fits fits into that so well because um you know our grandparents didn't try to harm our parents and however they did or uh you know it's just through their own lived experiences they were doing the best they could and and i think it's beautiful when each generation does a part to heal the family story to heal the generational story not easy right. like <laughs> when clients come through my doors and they're working on generational trauma i mean <laughs> the bravery courage and like warrior um of them is incredible and i work with a number of indigenous communities as well and mm-hmm. i don't know what's going on in the states but our residential uh, schools are the land is actually being unearthed right now and we're uncovering um the children oh the children and the babies that have been buried and uh the indigenous clients that i work with most of them are around you know our age and the yeah like just in awe of these people and how they're working so hard to heal themselves and heal mm-hmm. their families and heal the generations for mm-hmm. their future generations it's it's just awe-inspiring it's such hard work it's, I was actually that was going to be my next question too yeah. was um, so that people could have a reference kind of uh, something to, to pinpoint and say oh that's intergenerational trauma I was going to ask about um, like examples like examples I was like, too, an indigenous, yeah. like indigenous mm-hmm. the indigenous families in the the residential schools in Canada mm-hmm. along with you know Holocaust survivor children mm-hmm. um, uh, people of, of experiencing racial trauma mm-hmm. those types of things um, for our U.S. listeners and I know this is really tough. <laughs> is there a way for you to kind of summarize the horrendous things that have been discovered within the residential schools in Canada? Uh, it is bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm non-Indigenous, so I don't want to speak for anyone who is Indigenous for sure. Um, yeah. It. It. Oh goodness. I don't even. It's just like horrific. Just horrific. So a lot of power differences imagine being pulled out of your family not being able to speak your language not being able to give your mom a hug um, pulled Mm -hmm. from your community pulled from everything that 
it's been called uh, cultural genocide, right? So pulled from everything that is your culture. Mm-hmm. So that's food, that's connection, that's community, that's language, that's art, that's music, that's dance, that's all of it, right? So pulled out of that, not allowed to practice any of it. Your hair gets cut and that's a huge trauma to that community as well because their hair represents so much. Right. And then uh, within the school where you're pulled away from all the people you know, there's no safety, no safety to self, no safety to body, no safety emotionally, um, just violence in any way you could imagine so um yeah pretty horrific pretty horrific indeed so they went and kidnapped them from their they would take they would go and they would take these children away from their families um and pardon me and put them in a school is that put them in the schools yeah and they were so the story that my understanding is that um they were taken from these from their homes and uh, told that they were going to be put in a school. Um, and it, it, essentially it was to like take the take the Indian out of the Indian is what kind of how it mm-hmm. said. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, to not allow them to connect with their culture anymore and, and basically um, yeah, colonialize them. So uh pretty horrific and some uh some families were able to hide their children and keep them from the schools but that was quite rare and so many kiddos tried to run away um yeah the violence and the abuse I mean just let your imagine run wild and it probably happened right it's pretty horrific and so yeah when we're talking about intergenerational trauma uh so the last residential school was actually closed in the late 90s in Saskatchewan so this isn't Yeah. yeah so it's pretty horrible um and not too far in our history, right? But as you mentioned, there's so many other types of intergenerational trauma too. So that's one that definitely stands out for sure in in Canada right now. It's really loud. Um, You talked about the Holocaust. Absolutely, that's a part of it too. And if there's like violence or abuse in a family, but again, we can't blame, right? So you imagine these these children growing up in this toxic, toxic, violent school. um, And what did they learn? They didn't learn about empathy. They didn't learn about love. They didn't learn about safe touch. They didn't learn about kind words. They didn't learn about compassion. And so they then grow up and have a family of their own. And if they get to keep their children, depending on kind of where they were, um, uh, they were then doing the best they could, but they weren't parented themselves, right? So they didn't know how to parent. And so, you know, when we look at intergenerational trauma, we can see how it trickles down and and impacts people, let alone the um, ability to try to cope with trauma. And so that's a lot where... um, people would move to substances, right? Uh, Dr. Gabor Mate, he's a well-respected uh, doctor here in, in from BC. Actually, he worked on the downtown east side as well. And he studied trauma. So he studied the like very traumatized people that lived on the downtown east side that were heavily drug addicted. And all of them had trauma. And so many of them were residential school survivors. And, you know, our brain doesn't know the difference between emotional pain and physical pain. And mm-hmm. so they would use opioids to try to numb the pain. And so... That. And then it would continue, and then we had the 60s scoop, which, uh, you know, overrepresentation of Indigenous people in the foster care system, right? And so that was like kind of a second wave, if you will, of um, the residential schools, and 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 so it continues today. So um, we can kind of see, like, in an individual family or systemically, kind of those ripple effects, right? Right. Yeah. Wow. So it encompasses yeah. all of these horrendous and horrific things that have happened um would it also encompass things on 
I say smaller and that's I like was such so, not a great... I did, that's why I was waiting for you to do it because I was like I, smaller scale not, not no enough. not really but <laughs> terrible word to say I'm thinking but more like in a home like in a individual not Would it be something so like, not like a community but like in just that family yes right, Is that what right. so like my my for example and, and this also has to do though with like trauma that comes from community in itself and and from um advertisements and, and and radio and tv and but growing up i consistently heard my mother refer to herself as fat so like mm-hmm. that is that also considered like an intergenerational trauma traumatic you know, i mean where it- even though it's so trauma, trauma, I will say this. Tra- so there's a traumatic event and then there's trauma. So trauma is what lives inside of us. Mm-hmm. So I want to be really clear. We can never know what trauma is by hearing about an event. So, um, yeah, if you felt like that was trauma for you, then probably, cause I hear you talking about the intergenerational piece, right? My mother mm-hmm. had this perception of her body and, you know, mm-hmm. we, we know that there were probably some sociological pieces in there for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she kind of, that got passed down to me probably subconsciously. Right. Yes. And so yeah. for sure yes. there's that intergenerational piece, of course. And if, and then trauma is again very subjective so if that felt trauma to you I believe you and like of course right um but yeah yeah Yeah. I just meant so I guess that's not the same thing because I'm thinking like I want to break that cycle to where my daughter doesn't hear me say that about myself (laughs) so So, I love that no but you're right on track with the intergenerational piece another example maybe that I'll show sorry it's just not on the that the trauma yeah so maybe like you could give us a few more examples yeah I know because that, 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 yeah, we went, we went right for it. Didn't we talking we about sure it, know, the right? realities, but it's important to note. It really is important. It, it yeah. really is important. Yeah. So another example I can use is let's say there's, we'll call a uh, grandparent generation. So grandparent generation grew up as kids and they were beaten by their family mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. that was probably standard practice in the time for parenting and that whole, you know, child's not uh, seen and not her practice. So um, that family, um, the kiddos grew up there. We're going to call them grandparent generation. So then they grew up, they have kiddos and let's say um, that grandma is now, or that child is now a mother and they swear that they will never hit their kid Mm -hmm. right because that was the abuse that they experienced that was the trauma they experienced and so they never hit their kid but maybe they um are verbally abusive in some way and it's it's, there's still abuse for the kid it's a bit watered down as you can see right it's not physical abuse anymore but maybe it's emotional and verbal abuse and so then that impacts that kiddo and then that kiddo goes okay i never want to yell at my kids and so you can see how it gets more and more with I think with intention and awareness and consciousness to it um and again acknowledging our own limitations right I think it's again we don't choose the family we're born into but I do believe that there's a responsibility to heal our little corner of the family story I think that that's incredible um so knowing that we have limitations we're all human uh but Yeah. yeah we can we can we can heal a part of our family wound, right? And it's really incredible. Um, so the theorist, his name's Bowen. Uh, it's Bowenian theory. And they look at a geneogram and it's kind of like a family tree, if you will. But instead mm-hmm. of just putting in, you know, uh, great grand grandma's name and Aunt Edna over here, we actually look at the family story. So we look at the family trauma. We look about if there's substance use. We look if there was violence, what kind of violence. We look at, was someone a Holocaust survivor? We look at, did someone grow up in residential school? We look at all the pieces that are a part of the family story beyond just like the names um you know were they an immigrant and we can start to put together this this family story and understand the pieces and it's really incredible because when we do again i love that it it does kind of 
melt away blame because we can see yeah. the whole yes. story but it also gives us context so then it's going oh well i'm really struggling with this in my relationship with my partner oh but that makes sense because i can see over here that was yeah. a family pattern as well and so okay now i know that so what can i do to heal a piece of that story does that make sense yes oh, it yeah. does it yes. does so much <laughs> makes all the things start to flood into my brain I'm like, hmm. <laughs> maybe I need to look at this a little bit differently <laughs> but it's kind of like a map right like it's a it's yeah. a map that helps us see you know where we've come from and then I think through some reflection and potentiality we can choose where we're gonna go like you said Sarah you know um I I want to change that story for my daughter right mm -hmm. yeah which is so beautiful like that's like what more incredible of a gift can you give her I <laughs> Way to go. So and I think hard. I know. I know. And it with that, I feel like because there's no blame, we have to have grace for ourselves. Like so one thing that along with something similar to what Sarah said, but another big thing that I know I've already passed on to my daughter that I'm working through now to like stop is just that incessant worry mm. and and perfectionism. And then once you realize it, like being able to like backpedal, talk through it, like, and stop what you did, like, and there's just, that's just from reflection and, mm -hmm. and seeing that, you know, this came from somewhere, it came, she didn't, from the, not anywhere. And then mine came from, you know what I mean? Back and back. And so, it, and I see how damaging it was for me. And so I just don't want her to have to also like, but can we pause for a second and like acknowledge your awareness of that happening like through the reflection of seeing that in your yes. daughter you weren't like don't worry don't worry you're like whoa 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 like reflecting back to me I need to take a pause and, and maybe learn to model different and then yes. probably see the change in her too like so wait, wait like way to go yeah. yeah yeah so that's that's what I think and like that's what I'm saying is like the reflection like let's have grace for ourselves mm -hmm. because I think that um you know, we're just, I don't know. I am done being that person. That's like, it's not me, you know, I'm doing the, I'm doing amazing. The and so, yes. um, but it all comes from somewhere. That's what, you know, it all comes from somewhere and we have to just seek it out where that came from. Yeah. And I want to be mindful as well, that I don't want to, I don't, I, like, I, I really do believe that melting away blame is, is incredibly valuable for our own healing. At the same time, I don't want to diminish the impact that mm -hmm. those experiences can have on us. Right. Because it's, it's not that, I mean, it's not that they haven't had an impact on us. And so I don't want to like erase that and say, Oh, it's fine. Like you should forgive this person that, you know, harmed you in so many ways. Like that's definitely not what I'm saying. Yeah. I do believe that there can be a sub like a unconsciousness to their actions and definitely compassion can be really helpful as well. However, we do need to acknowledge the impact of those traumas right. that we experience for sure. Yeah. yeah. Or the impact, right. That you have on your, on your own kiddos. And so then again, that beautiful taking responsibility and willing to challenge yourself to change. I mean, yeah, way to go. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a question that's a little on a different realm mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of this, um, <laughs> almost quite literally. So is there a potential for this trauma to be passed down? So say like I experienced trauma in my childhood that wouldn't ch necessarily change my behavior thinking. So loss, um, you know, of, of, my father, of my brother, of, um, you know, just some things that have happened to me that wouldn't 
necessarily change the way that I would parent or, or make me a certain type of parent, but I hold this trauma inside of me. And so I'm somehow passing it to my kids. Like, is that, do, yeah, do that's you know, a really good question. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So can just I ask you a actual, question? Like energy? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I want to ask a question. So like how, how would the loss of brother, father, how would that impact oneself and how would that change one's behavior? Do you think? Well, I feel as though I possibly have say that quite loosely, uh, possibly have fear of abandonment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think too- clinginess, maybe, I don't know. Like I'm trying to think of things that like behavior patterns, I either, so I went through this whole thing where I was very, very, um, attached to my husband. Mm-hmm. And then I almost went like the complete 180 where mm-hmm. it was like pushing people away. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I clung to them really tightly and then I hit a point where I was like, well, no, I better not cling to them pretty tightly. Because I might lose them. Because I might lose them. Mm-hmm. And so then pushing them you. away. Yeah. And so I'm nervous because I feel as though I am also pushing away my children mm-hmm. to an extent at mm-hmm. some times. And it it makes my it makes me like physically ill yeah. when I think about that. Because it's just like But you're so aware. I, mm-hmm. I am, but it's it, it, I don't like it. I'd rather be blissfully unaware. <laughs> Naivete, for sure. <laughs> Pay big bucks to put Pandora back in her box, eh? Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I guess, yeah, I guess you can see, like, like Amy said, you know, you can see some patterns of how that's impacted you, right? If that trauma is alive in you, I don't see how it can't impact how we're interacting with the world. And so yeah. maybe not passing down specifically fear of losing, you know, my father, my brother, whatever. Right, right. But you can see this kind of like tension inside of you and this fear for sure, which makes so much sense. And so then mm-hmm. maybe that piece, that kind of like tension around these certain relationships and that closeness mm-hmm. of them, that could potentially impact kiddos, or, right? Yeah, where they will see like that, in their lives, they're going to want to keep everybody like at arm's length. At arm's oh, length. no, no, no. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, don't feel terrible because I would say that like I can see that already with Lily too because yeah. of me. Mm. We, we have a lot of loss. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so we both have that that fear of yeah attachment. I don't know. How, I don't know. But and even if I'm not saying we're not saying to the kids mm-hmm. like you should not trust people or you know although mom did tell me that so um i just want to say they call that anticipatory grief okay when we're anticipating potentially the loss and and loss and grief is absolutely a trauma as well and so does that make any sense oh my gosh yes i'm happy to have a name yeah it is it's so good to put names on Mm -hmm. things and to be able to say oh that's what that is yeah (laughs) I mean, uh, so many things are making sense. So right I guess now, the too. short answer is yes. That yes, that even if it's not something that necessarily is like a parenting thing, like your parents did this to you, so you're going to do it to your kids or try not to, mm-hmm. you can still pass trauma down mm-hmm. through your family regardless of the the experience of it. Yeah. Oy. But but that, that's like a is that always negative though, right? Like I feel like we're looking at it through this always negative lens like is that always negative, right? I don't know. No, you know, you're right because it, it does evolve you and evolve you mm-hmm. your thinking and your approach to things. Yeah. 
And if we use that grief and loss as an example as well, right? Wouldn't that also then potentially, potentially, if if you know healed and, and felt like that trauma was a little bit quieter and softer, really encourage you to to show like the preciousness of a relationship and mm. you know that adoration. Like, is that not a possibility? I mean, it's all possible. Yeah. Um, It's tender though, right? Yes. To do it differently. To teach them like, you know, a different way. Um, Yeah. I, my, my, like, my mind is like, (laughs) right now. I'm just. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it is. That's a lot. It's a lot. It is. Um, my daughter was talking to me, to me today, and she doesn't ever about the loss of her father mm-hmm. and uh, said a lot of very deep, meaningful things that I have no idea where they came from. Mm-hmm. She said she didn't know either. And I was like, that happens to me wow. all the time. So yeah. they were definitely like some downloads of some sort. But she said that uh, she very like strongly remembers her dad saying to her, like, you have to understand there's a lot of disappointment, like in life, like you are going to be disappointed. And mm-hmm. she's like, I think that all my life he prepared me for this. And I was like, oh my God. you're like, wow. what is she? 12? Wow. She's, she's almost 12. Um, and you know, I, I, I worry that like, she also will have that, like, I can't be close to anyone again, but I'm trying to show her through my Mm. own life of like having new relationships and um, closeness with people. Wow, ladies, you're really incredible. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Wow. Your kiddos are lucky they chose you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. You are so incredibly sweet. That's, that's, I, sometimes I just wonder who thought it was a good idea to make your mother. How I think of it more like how am I in charge? How am I in charge of another person? Like, who thought that I that was I, a bad idea? I don't even feel like an adult. Like, like almost halfway through my life. I'm like, the fact that your beautiful daughter feels safe enough to come and say that to you, though, speaks volumes to your relationship yeah. with her and the safety you've created. So, I mean, was, again, like that's so beautiful and I think when we go through generational traumas as well we again if we engage with it in a certain way and and play with healing we really can facilitate beautiful conversations right and just hold space and understand what that really means we understand deep pain right yeah 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 Yeah. my gosh so how does how does one even start to do (laughs) to to well how do you okay so let's just say I know it takes awareness but what if a person has some issues and they're going, do I need there? I don't know what I need. Like, how do you realize that it's trauma from being passed down? Is that, is that, were you going around that? Yeah. Okay. I didn't. Okay. So like, how do step one? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> step one. I mean, I know it's not like that. It's not that easy. Your anxiety is out of control. Why? <laughs> So obviously it is going to take some kind of awareness on that that person's part. So if, if that, yeah. Step one, recognize you might need some support. (laughs) Step two, reach out for said support. Step three, you might be reaching out thinking that, you know, I'm really, really anxious about something and I, and I want to work on my anxiety. And then as with willingness and openness and the right fit of a counselor. Um, we say that a lot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, 
sidebar, I love when I get emails from clients that say, Hey, you connect me with this counselor and I don't like them. And I want another counselor. And I go, Oh yeah. Like you're, you're doing the work. Like this is brilliant. Way to yes. go. Sidebar. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the right counselor and then with a willingness and a desire, potentially again, like using that genogram, like mapping out the family stories and, or starting to piece together the stories. Right. And so often when I have clients and I, and I wonder if intergenerational trauma is present in the room, I kind of pose it in a really gentle way. Cause it is, it's, it's heavy. It's heavy lifting, like for sure. It's heavy lifting. Um, yeah. you know, do you want to go down this path? Like, does this feel like something you have space and capacity in your life to do right mm-hmm. now? And what does that look like? And, um, how are you going to care for yourself when you do that? Right. Cause it is definitely can be heavy lifting. Um, as we unpack those pieces and there's, yeah, these almost like these energy lines that like live between us and the rest of our family that are carrying this. And so it might be something like, you know, I'm really anxious. Oh my gosh. I didn't realize my, I think my mom is really anxious too. And so is her dad and okay, I can see that now. And now I'm going to engage with my relationship with anxiety differently, or it might be, Oh, it might be deeper than that. Right. Like kind of something that we talked about early in the early in the mm-hmm. episode as well. And so, um, just acknowledging, you know, what you feel you have capacity for at that time. All like, if you feel like you're ready to dive in, then yeah, reach out, find the right person, find the right counselor to support you, build up a network of other people that you can lean into, you know, get a cat that you can snuggle when you're needed, need a cuddle buddy at night or whatever, right? Like it just set yourself up and then, and then kind of take a leap, right? Like be ready to unpack these things, be ready for the hard work and know that it'll probably get harder before it gets better but then at the end the most incredible thing happens when you realize how you've changed and the world around you has changed too and that that's what it's all about right it is it really is yeah it's just getting people to understand that it can can get to that point Mm -hmm. (laughs) you have to be really open yeah and there's there's a I'm sure you're protective of your family you're protective of your you know your genealogy and so there's that piece of like having to let go of that mm-hmm. um and then also this I hate the word humility I don't want to say that but like this this ability to like to say like hey I'm not right I don't know everything mm-hmm. you know and once those things happen I see the most change in people when they can um, stop being so defensive about it all and just say, you know, that, okay, yeah, I probably had a hand in this and they had a hand in this and they had a hand in this and it's really none of our faults. But you know what? It's going to stop right now. And I like that you said humility. I think that's really important because I think some people go, oh yeah, I had that yucky thing happen to me in my life. However, I'm okay. I'm doing okay. And, you know, as opposed to, okay, what if we, if we, you know, like you said, get those defenses down and say, okay, I'm, I'm sure you're okay. However, how was that little kid feeling at, you know, four years old or seven years old or eight years old having this experience yes. around them? And is it okay to hold that little kid's hand and, and let them know that, you know, that they're scared and you know that that impacted them, right? That yeah. willingness to actually see that, I think. It's hard work, real hard, hard work. Totally. Going back there. Have you had success with your clients to be able to go back to that younger version of themselves and to be able to address them in that way? Yeah, I have. Yeah. It's, it's just talking about that makes me anxious. (laughs) I'm not ready for that stage of this. (laughs) Um, I think that's honesty. (laughs) I haven't talked about this yet on air. So I'm just going to very, 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 very briefly. And I'm going to ask you just a, 
very quick question about it because I know that um, there are some senders popping up in British Columbia specifically. I wasn't able to do that until I tried um, using psilocybin as a therapy, a therapeutic um, method to do that. And that was the only point that I've been able to go back to myself as a child and address myself that way. I had tried to do it. Like in therapy? (laughs) In therapy. I had tried to do it in meditation. I had tried to do it on my own and I just couldn't get there. It was like I couldn't like... It was almost like your defenses had to be forced down. Yes, because it was sort of just like... I was like, but I'm not that little girl. I can't find mm-hmm. that little girl. I can't get to her again until I did that. And and, and once I did, I have to tell you, it's a huge difference and a, and a huge change. So yes. since everyone can't have that yes. experience, how does someone else get there? There are some really powerful... So yes, there are places that are in BC popping up. You're right. And that is a modality that some people use. If you are curious, I'd encourage viewers to check out Dr. Gabor Mate. He's kind of the leader um, in BC about that. that. Dr. Gabor, G-A-B-O-R, Mate, M-A-T-E. He's definitely a guru in in our community and uh, for very amazing reasons. Um, He's pretty stupendous. Toot toot for him. Um, Yeah, so... Um, EMDR is a therapeutic modality that I'm trained in. Um, and I fell in love with it actually when I was experiencing it myself as a client and it totally transformed me. And so I was like, oh, I need to jump on this bandwagon for sure. Somatic therapy is another one that's pretty powerful. Um, but what EMDR, I'll speak to that one cause I'm, I'm trained in that one. Um, basically what it does is it helps your brain to reprocess the trauma. Um, so let's say the alarm bell is going off in your brain whenever you, so an example off news. Okay. So I'm going to the kitchen I'm getting a glass of water, pretty boring event. Like nothing really happens, right? I get the glass of water. I come back. Let's say I go into the kitchen and I'm getting a glass of water and suddenly I'm held up at knife point or gunpoint. I'm going to be probably terrified of glasses of water and of holding a glass and of going to the kitchen and running water. Right. And so what EMDR can do is it basically, you have to be ready to have that memory pulled up and to feel it. It's not enough to go, oh, that happened and that's over there, like, and be away from that experience. You have to be willing to reconnect with it. So um, we'd have to be willing to reconnect with that kiddo person insofar as I remember what it was like to feel that way. I remember, you know, how long my hair was. I remember what shoes I was wearing. I remember that tension in the pit of my gut, you know. I remember what was going on around me. I remember feeling worthless, whatever those pieces are for you. So you almost like jump inside that memory and we need to open that memory file folder and activate it to be able to reprocess it and heal it. So that is one tool and one approach that is (laughs) pretty incredible. It's very, very deep therapy. Um, and it is pretty incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So I I will say this, this is what I did. I took a year off of Um, work to do that particular Mm. therapy because it's so heavy Mm -hmm. and um, the discipline that it takes to let Mm -hmm. yourself go there is so hard and I feel like I'm pretty open and I feel like I'm pretty like willing to do things and I'm just like I don't know if she's gonna listen to this but my counselor honest to god some days I'm like I'm just going to go in there and talk about this and then maybe we won't get to it. <laughs> You're going to so be busted because, and she knows it too. So she's like oh, next God. week, Amy. And I'm just like, I can't like, even just like yeah. thinking about going there. I'm just like my whole body just like, like, bleh. 
And yeah. But I know in my gut that's what needs to happen to heal it. But I'm just saying that you have to be, you have to, you have to really give into that. You got to be ready. You got to sit in the shit and it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Healing is not going to the spa and being in white sheets. <laughs> healing is. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I think when we use the word, it sounds really pretty, what but it's. can't it be though? <laughs> What if, what if you like, you did the therapy and you went back to this horrible thing, but like you were promised the massage. <laughs> Spa therapy. Let's open up that clinic. Yes. yes. Sign me up. Yeah. yeah. Like if you knew that was on the other side. I'll uh, do the hard work and then somebody's going to rub my back. Yeah. Or I'm going to get a facial. Yeah. Uh, pedicure. Yeah. It's really, um, my whole body, I can feel it even just mm. talking about it. I feel so... It's a, it's not fun. It's no. not pleasant. You've done it, right? EMDR? Yeah. Yeah. It's not fun. <clears throat> no, and and it did it did help me. I only got to do it to work through one mm. trauma. Okay. But I will t- it does work. Yeah. It oh works. God, I know. I know it does. I just have to do it. It sucks. It sucks so bad. It's terrible, but it so here's here was my like thought process of it. It's like if you can work through this trauma that has been affecting you for the past however many mm-hmm. years, because it depends on what trauma we're going to experience here. So if it's, you know, one that's been affecting you for 10 years or 15 years, you know, if you could work through it in a couple of hours. Right. Then, and, and for me, my motivation is to, getting back on topic, is to not pass it on to my children. Yeah. So I want to heal for myself, but I want to heal so that I am not like um, doing things that are subconsciously hurting them mm-hmm. in the way that I was hurt. Mm-hmm. Right. Ugh, being a parent is so hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to make her freaked out. I know. No, no. My, um, uh, my mom told me, so my, sorry, my therapist told my mom when I was in counseling, when I was in, in my teen years, <laughs> my therapist said, you did the best you can. And that's why there's counselors. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. I love it. So love it's it. not for lack of love or desire to yeah. make everything like wonderful. But I also, I guess I believe as well that, um, you know, if, if your children don't bump up against things, how are they to learn and grow, right? Like through struggle, mm. we learn and grow. And not that it's pretty and fun to get injured and hurt in life, right? However, those are our growth opportunities, I think, too. Not to make it all shiny and pretty, but I think I really right. do believe that, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, you're so right because we talk a lot about, Amy and I, just in our friendship, not like on the show, but in our friendship, we talk a lot about how it's, Sometimes it's really hard to have a deeper relationship with someone who hasn't experienced mm. any kind of trauma in their life because um, it's it's tough um, when the hardest thing going on in their life is like, you know, that soccer practice was canceled because of mm-hmm. rain or something. You, you know what I mean? So it's yeah, a good it's example because like, that, that kind of stuff, I'm like, yeah, I can't it is. even it's with like, you. I can't, I can't get upset about that. <laughs> like that kind of stuff doesn't bother me. It's like, all right, whatever. Like, let's move on. Yeah. But those are the things that like people will dwell on. And, right. and it's, 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 and tough. before our, well, <laughs> you've lived a whole life of trauma, but before our big T traumas, that kind of stuff would really 
push me out mm-hmm. into a tizzy and like so I get where they're at yeah it's just I'm not there now so I'm like why why are we even discussed like what is this this is not a thing yes why are you making it a thing but what now turning that around on myself I'm like but I don't want my kids to have to experience mm, yeah. stuff so that they can have a better understanding of life you know and oh my gosh what a what a catch-22 that is yeah because you can only truly experience like true bliss and happiness if you know what true sadness and so true despair is and it, ugh. ah the human experience hey yes <laughs> <laughs> it's very complex. And thinking about oh, that yeah. being like on my children is like so it's it's heartbreaking and I don't like that thought. But but like you're right. If they don't bump into things, how are they gonna know? I mean oh. I like my baby is very new, so I don't have many years. I'm not a veteran parent, but uh, <laughs> yeah, he cr- cries and screams and I'm like, Oh God, make it better. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh no, he doesn't want his paper change. Go faster. Don't put his pants on. Wrap him in a blanket. Oh my God. Right. Like, yep. like, yep. I, like I, I, I hear you. Yeah. Suffering, like right? Yeah. It is. Yeah. It is every single Until something of outside of you happens and you're like, well, okay, now we're going to just deal with this. Yeah. So Yeah stuff it's a really mm. parenting <laughs> oh. it's for the birds no I'm just kidding I love it I love my children <laughs> I just I feel like the the sentence I the interactions that my husband and I have most are I really hope we're not fucking them up too bad <laughs> like that's okay, like okay. The most- <laughs> so my poor kiddo right you hear about you know the the kiddos that have like the psychologist or the pastor and then they're the yes. ones that are really yeah, yeah yeah so I started to like train myself early it's not that I'm it's not if I'm gonna fuck him up it's how so at least I'm prepared for how and someone gave me the book called trauma proofing your kids (laughs) which was great because trauma is gonna happen like I don't know how life happens without it so how can I prove how can I proof them it's by Dr. Peter Levine Um, how can I help I don't know bubble wrap them against trauma oh isn't that awful but I hear like yeah please do give me the give me the bubble wrap yeah so in your practice or in your experience, what would you say um, is like the most common mental illness or struggle that, that you, what? That's just a, I, that's a good question. Maybe I'll feel a little bit more normal. Let's hear this. <laughs> the stats show that we are normal. We okay. Are, yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, like in your experience, what have you, what do you see most of the time coming across your desk? Yeah, most of the time it's people coming in with depression or anxiety for sure. Um, But I think as they connect with their counseling, I mean, I feel like that's usually kind of the surface of why people come in and then Mm -hmm. they uncover that there might be some other pieces living there. I don't know how people go through life without trauma. And I know occupational lens for me, of course, that's the world I live in. Um, But I really do sometimes wonder if the word trauma is synonymous with life, right? Um, Like I do. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So I think trauma is everywhere. And some people say, oh, there's little T trauma and big T trauma. But really, I do believe that the traumatic event is what happens outside of us. And then the trauma is what lives inside of us. So Mm -hmm. if we have that dysregulation, if we have that distress, which is often presented as that kind of hypo arousal of depression or the hyper arousal of anxiety and how Mm -hmm. we manage. um, Yeah. So that's kind of a gray answer. But yeah, a lot of trauma and a lot of depression and a lot of anxiety. Yeah. How, how much of that tends to come from passing it down 
screw together. I think the majority, how can it not though, right? How can it not come from our lived experiences? I mean, it has to come from somewhere. It has to come from somewhere. And of, of course there are, you know, I experienced a motor vehicle accident and that was a trauma in my life, or I had this significant, sure. very random yeah. loss in my life and that was whatever. Right. But I mean, if we think about a plant, the nourishment that we feed it is how it grows. And so our childhood is the soil of our own lives. Right. I mean, if a tree isn't getting sunlight, it's going to bend in a certain way to get sunlight. Right. Like yeah. how are we any different? And so, yeah, our, our, like Freud was right. Like it's, you know, it's, it's our, it's so our childhood that kind of shapes us and forms us. And it's, it's a huge, it's a huge part of it. You know, sometimes I wonder if we're just all like taller children walking around, right? Like reliving our traumas in our lives and like attempting to heal them. Like we get a couple stories in our lives and sometimes I feel like they go round and round yeah. as we're given more and more opportunities to heal them. Right. That is so, so true. true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And it's so funny you say that because it's like sometimes I feel like that. I'm like, what? at what point am I? I'm 40. At what point am I an adult? <laughs> like, at what point am I? Do I earn my badge that says I'm not a child anymore? Like, yeah. I am an adult now. Like, it just doesn't feel like it. I just mm-hmm. haven't. I don't feel like I've hit that point where I feel as though I've got a grip, a, a good enough grip on things, uh, an understanding on things to say, like, I got this. I mean, of course, you know, parenting my children, I say the complete opposite. They're like, well, why do you get to do this? Well, because I'm an adult and I know what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, but like, then we get into conversations like this and I'm like, no, nope, nope, not me. You are in, not in the United States. Mm-hmm. Sarah and I talk a lot on here about the mental health system mm-hmm. and um, our stories of how it's failed us. And um, I've gotten a little bit of pushback from a couple people who have said like, it's not like that everywhere that sort of thing. Well, mm-hmm. we've had quite a bit of experience with it. So I'm just going to go with my own experience and hers mm-hmm. that we can tell that it has failed us. So what what is set up in terms of like hospital stays, psychiatric, um, you know, med checks, uh, and maybe your like suicide hotline? How, how does it work in Canada? So the rates, according to the Canadian Mental Health Association, are one in five people in their life will experience a mental health uh, difficulty. They use the word disorder. I don't love that word. So difficulty. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's high. Um, and I, that's underreported, right? Like we want to acknowledge it's underreported. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, this, first of all, I'm so sorry that the systems failed you. Um, and the systems fail people here every day as well. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. So we do have a lot of nonprofits that try to carry, I think, a lot of burden of of the stress because our healthcare system cannot. There still are stigmas in our world around mental health and accessing mental health. Um, we do have psychiatric wards and psychiatric facilities for sure. I won't go into all the complexities of, if anyone knows Riverside in Vancouver, I won't, <laughs> or in the Lower Mainland, I won't go into the complexities of that. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's complicated and people try to seek support, but we often have to work through the loopholes, right? So someone goes yeah. into the hospital saying that they're having suicidal ideation. Well, there isn't a bed to support them. So you have to say oh. the language like, I don't feel safe right now. And then hopefully you'll mm-hmm. be able to get a psychiatrist or a bed, but the wait See? lists are, that's, that's exactly what it is yeah. here. And the wait yeah. lists are so long. And so right now long for so long. anything, unless you say the right words, yeah. which are, I am going to harm myself. Yeah. I'm going to harm my wife. I'm going to harm my child. Yeah. Yeah. And for I have sure. a plan. 
Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And and unfortunately, like the, the people that are struggling enough to reach out for support and yet not so much that they're at that point, they kind of fall through the cracks and it's this kind of horrible, you have to be more sick to get help. And like what kind of a system of wellness is based on that, right? Right, right. It is sad. Yeah. Heartening, but it's also like, okay, so I guess nobody's really figured it out yet. I mean, I know we're just talking about Canada and the United States, so we're not encompassing <laughs> all countries here in their, in their systems, but it's hard to 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 know like in the, in the immediate, in the North America, North American region that we have such difficulties with, with that kind of uh, mm-hmm. and type of support. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like... Um, you and your center are doing what you can to be of help there and and also so another question and this is just out of curiosity I think just coming from an American I feel like a lot of this is just me gathering more Mm -hmm. information yeah again I'm just your mom (laughs) having a chat yeah (laughs) um but from an American's perspective like with free health care in Canada. Oh, yeah. Does it make yeah. it better or Does worse? Does it make it better or worse? Is it harder to find somebody because it's available to everyone? And and then that's like kind of the catch-22. Like it should be available to everyone, but does that make it harder? Yeah. Our systems are overloaded, I think, probably not dissimilar to yours, right? Like, yeah. And free healthcare, however, people have to pay out of pocket for counseling if the health of like, so my clinic is private practice. So we're not a part of the local health authority and it's more common to go private for that. And there's extended benefits that people can access and those types of things. But, um, to, I don't even want to know what the wait list is locally here to get access to a counselor and you have to go through these loopholes to get through a group first before you can access a one-on-one counselor. And the reason they do that is because they're trying to see more people at once, but mm. some people are so anxious they can't go to a group, right? Like, yeah. yeah, I don't know what the answer is. And, um, I don't know enough about the, um, healthcare system in the States to be honest, to be able to compare accurately. So I want to be mindful of that. Sure. Um, sure. but yeah, our system here of free healthcare is definitely, broken too like systems trying to support people cause harm and I don't think any doctor becomes a doctor because they want to cause harm to people it's just that right or social workers or anyone but counselors Mm -hmm. but you know everyone's doing the best they can and I think the systems are inherently broken they're not full enough to be able to support people to wellness so my question is just logistical just for curiosity so if I was a resident of Canada and I wanted to see you, is there a way that my, I guess not because you guys have public health care, but there's no way except to pay out of pocket to see you. Is that correct? That's yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, um, the public system like MS, so MSP, um, our publicly funded healthcare does not cover private practice. There are other bodies that do fund it, but most of the people do pay out of pocket and then they use their extended benefits to pay for, um, to pay for private counseling. Cause if you go through the publicly funded healthcare system, and I'm going to speak to BC cause I don't know other provinces sure. across Canada. Um, usually it's very, what they call solution focused. So there's usually a limit of number of sessions that they are able mm-hmm. to offer. And the wait lists are like six months, nine months. Like, I don't even know how long they are. At least I'm going to say that mm-hmm. locally where I'm living right now. Um, but for sure overrun. My goodness. Okay. So I guess 
We, we meaning Kelsey, me, Amy, the three of us, we're going to sit here and we're going to powwow until we figure this out. <laughs> Just kidding. No, but for real, like we, Canada was supposed to have all the answers. I know. Come on. Maybe I have still to have, interview someone from Sweden next, hey? <laughs> yes. Yes. I feel like they've, they're on the right track. Are they? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Don't know the ins and outs. Don't have all the particulars, yeah. but for sure uh, they, they are getting it right on a lot of different levels mm-hmm. not just in Canada to me now it sounds very much like the US where like if you have lots of money you get better things <laughs> I think yeah. honestly I think healthcare. that we have just publicly funded health care and the misnomer of oh I can just if I'm struggling in whatever way I can get help is a bit of a misnomer it is much more complicated than that unfortunately yeah mm, sorry <sighs> to disappoint more th- no it's just <laughs> it's, not, it's not that it's just like we always i guess i i could always say like i thought the grass was greener yeah yeah but it's not so it still is though because it's bc and they're everything <laughs> that's true and mountaineer so still really valuable, right? Like we do have publicly funded counseling centers. However, yeah. the wait lists are often long. That being said, you can usually get through a couple loopholes and get access to a psychiatrist if you go through the hospital and go through emergency. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are counselors there on at the hospital to support you through um, kind of the community support services. Mm-hmm. However, it is a misnomer that I could call them up and say, hey, I need support. Like, can you support me now? And that that would yeah. happen, right? There, Yeah. So I just want to be clear that there are supports through our publicly funded agencies and lots of nonprofits. Nonprofits do. Just a shout out to them, like incredible work offering support yeah. and offering free counseling. So that is a huge, um, I don't know what that's like where you're living, but that is a, yeah. So I think that's, that's incredible. Um, One of our goals is to become a nonprofit Um like a mental health care concierge type of service. So yeah, that, Very that's cool. good to know that, that that can also do, do good. Yes. Like that. Yeah. We're not fixing the big whatever, but I don't know how to do that. So I'm just going to fix part of it. This is intergenerational. This is intergenerational trauma. This is, it is. The system <laughs> is. The system yeah. is. It's like just a little by little, I guess we fix it. Mm-hmm. And hope that no one tries to break it even more mm. yeah. the further we get into it. But, oh my gosh. Yeah, I think of it as like I try to contribute to heal, helping heal my little corner. That's all I know how to do, right? Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Kelsey, I need to write that on my forehead. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. that we, the two of us get caught up in a like, we need to help the world. Um, and how can we do that right now? And the, the, the quickest... <laughs> Yep, <laughs> the biggest impact, but it's like, yeah, let's help our corner, and then that hopefully will butterfly effect its way yeah. out. Mm. That's really all you can do without, you know, risking your own mental health. <laughs> For sure, so important <laughs> to acknowledge that burnout is real. Vicarious yes. trauma is real. For yeah. sure. Yeah. How do you? Um, I know that's like off of the topic, but mm-hmm. like, how do you go? about like kind of working through some of that vicarious trauma Mm -hmm. yeah um that's definitely a really good question and i think a lot of people often wonder and i do get asked it i have amazing (laughs) self-care it is a priority of mine for sure i love bedtime (laughs) yeah so i kind of my foundation is like sleep movement and nutrition those are kind of my pillars Mm. and lots of hugs my husband's an amazing hugger so i love hugging him yeah for sure and my cat 
you know, she's great too. Yeah. Um, Wait, but you yeah. Have dogs as well? I do love my dogs. Yeah. But they don't okay. like snuggling. <laughs> I'm just so confused how you have this snuggly cat and dogs that don't want to snuggle. I, so we are like the, uh, Amy and I are the opposite. I love dogs and she would be okay with a cat, I think. Mm-hmm. I think. I, I know I need a, a new, I need an a animal. support animal. I know I do. I just don't know how to get that. I can't get the wrong one. Cannot. <laughs> I know it's like, so, I do not have the patience for the wrong animal. This is like so, uh, you know, off topic, but I'm just like, I always get very confused um, around cat people. Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. I was a cat person growing up. I must say I have converted to, I am, I am, um, non, uh, non, non, I don't know. I'm both. I'm for both now for sure. Okay. Um, okay. Two dogs and a cat and I, and I love them all madly. My, one, my, one of my dogs actually is like Buddha, I swear, uh, reincarnated oh. and she's so gentle and I just like lean on her sometimes and feel grounded. Oh. So that's definitely part of myself here. But, um, yeah, my other dog was pretty traumatized. So she's, uh, we take oh. care of her more than she takes care of us. Oh, poor baby girl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I love movement in nature and where I live, I can do tons of hiking. So that's a huge part of what I do. Anything outdoors totally fills my spirit. So lots of movement. Um, So yeah, hiking, biking, running, skiing, water, all of it. I love it all. And then I, the movement I do is, I don't know, I do lots of yoga as well. Like I really enjoy that. I also like doing like strength training. I like feeling strong in my body. So that kind of stuff sometimes. Um, Just kind of depends on my mood. And I think that's the thing is like, I have to, I think the important thing about movement is uh, not creating a a structure and a schedule around this is what I have to do and this is what I want my body Mm -hmm. to look like. It's more, you know, connecting with oneself first and saying, how does my body need to move today and honoring Mm -hmm. that. I think that's kind of more organic. Um, So that's what I do for movement. And lots of greens. And lots of greens. Lots of greens. (laughs) I need to add more greens, not stuff that's colored green. Um, (laughs) But like actual grown to the earth green. Uh, Yeah. Do you feel like when you are doing movement that you are moving, that you can move trauma through and out of your body? I, I, I do believe that. Yeah, I do for sure. Yeah. You asked that too. as if you, I yeah, just, I was wondering. I just like to hear a professional I say know, because we always say that we believe trauma is stored in our bodies and movement can move it out. And so to hear a professional agree is awesome. It just, it's just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little validation there. Just needed a little validation with nice. that. You, you heard it from the professionals, the <laughs> lovely listeners. That we were right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't pass it off. <laughs> I don't really. Yeah. Yes. So let's move our bodies together, move them more. And uh, I will make a commitment to put better nutrition into my body. Um, and I need all of you guys to help me do that and hold me accountable. So uh, DM me. <laughs> Ask me what I ate today. And I'll pr- I promise I will be honest with you. And it's not for any type of diet making my body look a certain way, but it is seriously because I need to feel like physically feel better. And I know a lot of my immune system problems are because I eat garbage. So please do not hey girl us, hey girl, and MLM us, because <laughs> you, you'll listen to that episode. We don't need to, no, we don't want that. We no. just want to know about your leafy greens and how to make that. Or just ask me what. That's it. Just ask me what did you eat today? <laughs> did you put any greens in your body that weren't like a sour apple Jolly Rancher? That's not real green. <laughs> oh man, now I'm gonna ask that every day. I can't wait. <laughs> oh my gosh, Kelsey, thank you so so much for coming on and talking to us. You are a wealth of knowledge, and I feel like we could talk to you for hours and ask you uh, go like down so many different paths. You're just, and also I just I don't know. You have a really great spirit about you, and I'm just like sitting here thinking, 
well, she's in Canada and has a really long wait list, so it really sucks that she can't be my counselor. Because, like, <laughs> at this point in my life, I could use two. <laughs> you just, you're very, you put me at ease and you are, um, I don't know. There's just, I love the, the way that you put things and the way that your perspective is on healing. I'm really bummed out that everybody can't see you too because your smile is freaking amazing. <laughs> I know. Like it seriously is. It's contagious. It is. It's contagious and it's beautiful and it's like all encompassing and I, I freaking love it. So, but you did say you are building your online team for your practice, correct? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, we are. Um, there's just such a high need. And so virtual are able to reach a broader range of people than in person. So um, yeah, check us out. So that's Healing Spaces. That's a center that offers counseling. And then I'm also creating, I'm kind of in the process of creating a whole bunch of like virtual trainings and those types of things for people to be able to access. Um, so that's a lot more obviously cost effective than going to a counselor and there'll be workbooks included. I'm working on the first one right that's now great. all about fear Amazing. to courage. So yeah, I'm really excited about that. I think that, oh, I love that. yeah, just sharing sharing healing with other people that enjoy healing and feel that that's important in their lives. That's kind of my jam. So where can people find you then? For sure. Yeah. So Kelsey, the counselor is www.kelseythecounselor.ca. Okay. Um, and then healing spaces is uh, healing spaces.center C E N T E R. So it's spelled the American way, which will be easy for you to remember. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We will put links into our show notes for um, Kelsey's website so that you can find her in all of the spaces um, to make sure that you, go to the right space because uh, if you are listening in America then uh, the spelling is going to be different different and if you're listening in Canada then you probably know how to spell it correctly <laughs> <laughs> don't worry we'll um, but and we you can check have... out my handles on Instagram as well I have uh, a whole bunch of information on there and we're starting to Instagram lives and stuff which is really fun too perfect awesome. we're going to put those in there so if you're looking for the show notes you're just going to click on show more wherever you are listening um, in your favorite podcast streaming service and um, all of those links will be there for you to find her Kelsey, can I say a thank you as well I just want to thank sure. you to wonderful ladies for being so open with me here today I just was as soon as we kind of saw each other and heard each other's voices it just felt so connecty and so like yes. at peace and at home so I really enjoyed Aww. that and the yeah, the impact that you're having, like, don't discount the power of your podcast and your story and your messages. And I'm sure all your followers are going to like be hooting and hollering right now as I say that, because I think that your messages oh. and what you're sharing and your openness and your willingness to be vulnerable, it really touches people. I mean, that's how I got connected in here too, right? Like it, it resonates. So don't discount the work you're already doing. Man. Thank you so, so much. We yeah, needed to hear this that. This is, you know, this, <laughs> and this you. is why I love doing this so much is I meeting know. people like you. Yeah. So um, it's been a pleasure, a, such a pleasure to yeah. get to talk to you. And you'll come back, yes? Yeah, I'd love to, for oh, sure. Yeah. Okay, yeah. good. We're we'll get a your, new topic. Yes. <laughs> we'll, oh, there are so many. We could pick your brain forever, I feel like. So Can't thank wait. you so much for lending your expertise and for telling us all of the things um, you know, surrounding intergenerational trauma for this hour. And mm -hmm. we'll connect again with you soon. Thanks, Can't Kelsey. Wait. Thank you so much, Kelsey. Thank you so much. This episode was brought to you by Sarah Simone and Amy Baumgartner. Theme song and other music provided by Epidemic Sound. Editing and production by Sarah Simone. To help us keep making episodes just like this, Join our fan club at patreon.com slash unqualifiedtherapistsinc. 
Follow us on Instagram at Unqualified Therapists, where you will find our link tree to all things here at the UT. If you have a story to tell or a topic you'd like us to discuss, email us at unqualifiedtherapists at gmail.com. Until next week, warrior. Hold on. We're gonna make it.